ulterior. So, what do you guys want to talk about? I mean, we could talk about the Super Bowl this weekend and how I am clinging on to every possible hope of the Niners beating the Chiefs. Um, we could talk about Doc Rivers stinking up the fucking joint in Milwaukee and still somehow getting the uh, all-star coaching position. Uh, we could talk about the big story out of pro wrestling with The Rock and Cody Rhodes and the reaction that's gotten online. We could talk about the fucking mileage that I put into Persona 3 Reload over the last few days. Really, there's a lot that we could talk about outside of music, and someday in the future, I do have visions of creating outlets for myself where I can talk about more than just music because... There's a lot out there in the world that interests me and, you know, things that I have my own perspectives on and whatnot, but ultimately, it's all going to circle back to music because that is my biggest passion. That is what has gotten my foot in the door, per se, to, you know, even have the chance of being a public voice, and on this episode, every episode of the past and every episode of the future, I want to give back to the scene. So let's go ahead and do that for the next few minutes. What do we got today? We got brand new singles by the likes of, if not for me... Too Close to Touch, Era, and a few others I want to get to, and then brand new records from Banks Arcade, Enterprise Earth, and Being as an Ocean. Thank you so much, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Yumi at 6 have decided to call it quits, and I've experienced just about every possible emotion that can come with that kind of an announcement. So, um, last Wednesday, Yumi at 6 announced on social media that 2025 will mark the end of the band, and their upcoming shows will be their last ones ever. And to say that this came as a surprise would be a huge understatement, because from the outside looking in, there never seemed to be any indication that the members had even considered ending the project. So, you know, of course, the initial comments on social media paint that picture pretty well, as it was a lot of statements of disbelief and heartbreak and question marks and... What I want to say before anything else is that if there is any band in the world who has earned the right to go out on their terms and decide for themselves when the end is here and when it is appropriate, it is absolutely you, me at six. 20 years, eight studio albums, world tours, several number one spots on UK charts for both albums and singles. They did it all and then some. In my mind, they are pioneers for the UK scene. And just to put into perspective how expansive their careers have really been, in their heyday, this band has played shows with The Academy Is, Pierce the Veil, and Holding Absence. Like, guys, that is legitimately three generations worth of alternative bands, and You, Me, at Six have been a constant throughout the scene's evolution and everybody around them. That kind of longevity does not happen by mistake at all. They put in the time, the work, and the effort to make it happen, and in the process of doing so, they inspired so many other musicians to pursue their own dreams. To me, You, Me, at Six truly are one of the greatest of all time they had one of the best runs in scene history and you know even if not all of their material delivered to the highest degree for myself there is no possible way that i can ever discredit any bit of their musicianship and professionalism but while there's a ton of pride that i feel in looking back on this band's tenure there is also a lot of sadness that comes with that and it was really put into perspective by a tweet that I saw formatted, you know, a couple of different times last week, but the main one was SOTS. 
in just the first month of 2024, look at what's been going on around us and what is happening to so many of our idols because it's not just Yumi at 6 breaking up. It's Too Close to Touch ending, which I'm going to talk more about in a little bit. It's Issues playing their final show. It's As It Is breaking up. It, it's Ben Bruce leaving Asking Alexandria. It's Jordan Fisher leaving Bring Me the Horizon. It's Kerrang TV shutting down in some Channel 4 cuts. Time is never going to stop for anybody and nothing lasts forever, but taking these hits one right after another, it really does emphasize how the scene that so many of us grew up with is changing right before our eyes. And a lot of people who consume this kind of music, they don't know a scene that does not have Yumi at 6 in it. And I myself am going to have to make those adjustments, but ultimately, as cheesy as this might sound... It really is one of those don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened type situations. And guys, I am going to be smiling for the rest of my life whenever I think about Yumi at 6. I guess we can get into the Grammys a bit because that's been a topic of conversation given that the event was this past weekend. And I really, really feel like it should be known by this point who this event is for, which is the larger than life figures of some more accessible genres like Miley Cyrus, Taylor Swift, SZA, the list goes on and on, and big ups to them for all of their awards. They worked hard for their success, and they deserve it. But what happens when you turn to the categories that are relevant to the scene, such as best performances in alternative and metal? Well, there is recognition there, and I think given the nature of the Grammys, you guys have to look at recognition as a win. You know, that's how I felt years ago when uh, Bring Me the Horizon and I Prevail were nominated, and it's how I felt this year when Spearbox were nominated. And whenever I mentioned Jaded on this show, after the list of nominations came out, I would not shut the fuck up about it because that was truly a big deal, and I was so happy to see, to see Spearbox be recognized like that by the Academy. Now, did I think they would ever actually win that award? No. It would have been nice, but realistically, were they going to win their category over Metallica or Slipknot or Disturbed? Those bands are more recognizable than anybody in our scene, and the Grammys historically favor name value. That's just how it is, and I'm not sure why anybody would expect that to change. Will the Grammys ever fully embrace our little corner of the universe? I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. And I'm aware that that is such a generalized non-answer, but I'm not sure what else to say about a nomination process that isn't really meant for us. But again, I feel like those hurdles have made it to where even a nomination should be looked at with pride by all of us, because that in and, uh, that in and of itself is bucking the system in a pretty big way. And yeah, that's kind of just my spiel about those particular topics, but now... We go ahead and we move into the brand new releases for last week, and the first one up is the new single by, if not for me, it is Everything You Wanted. A lot went on for this band outside of just this single dropping because they also signed with Thriller Records and announced a new album, Everything You Wanted, out on March 29th. I am pretty damn stoked on the attention that If Not For Me have been getting lately because I think the quality has been steadily building over the years, um, especially off of their 2022 album, Eulogy, which I hailed at the time 
as being a, a great launching pad of sorts for the band. And since then, I, I feel like they have done much more than just launch themselves. They are steering the ship for this brand of metalcore. And even if the style itself is not super unique, I cannot imagine denying how well, if not for me, have done it. Everything you wanted is as catchy as it is heavy, as emotional as it is blistering, as magnificent as it is effective. And it genuinely feels like something huge is on the horizon for them. Do not sleep on this band. Do not sleep on this record. Make sure that you are paying attention. Um, too close to touch. Uh, yeah. So, a uh, new single. It is called Control. From the members of Too Close to Touch, this is their parting gift to the fan base, and it is going to be one final record, which will be called Four Keeps, dropping on March 8th. And I firstly want to say that I commend not only the members of Too Close to Touch, but also all of the guest vocalists who will be appearing on this album. Telly from The Word Alive, Elijah from Cane Hill, and Noah from Bad Omens for all coming together to make this happen and give something so special to the audience because that is more than what they ever needed to give any of us after what they've been through the last few years. And if any of you guys do not have the context for what it is I'm referring to, Too Close to Touch's vocalist Keaton passed away back in March of 2022. It was very sudden and sad, you know, and almost to the day of this upcoming release. And when the time comes for me to review this album, I will make sure to elaborate on the impact that Too Close to Touch has had on my life over the last nine years and what Keaton's words have been able to do for me. And, you know, I'm sure he did the same for so many of you guys out there, either watching or listening to me right now. But at this point in time, this is about control, which is so surreal to hear. Like, it's genuinely startling in a way to hear Keaton's voice again. And there is this extra gut punch thrown in with lyrics like, why am I sinking? Why am I stopping? Everything that's going to save me. And I, I said extra gut punch because the emotion in which Too Close to Touch I've always moved with is so prevalent on this song. And it sounds like something that would have been right at home on albums like Nerve Endings or Happy it be myself it is a piece to the last gift from this band to all of us and you know i'm sure that the full gift of four keeps is going to be one of the most difficult listens of my life but i also believe it's going to be one of the most beautiful and cathartic ever let's talk about era and their new single cure So what we learned was that Cure is actually the title track for Era's new album set to be released on April 5th, and I touched on this a bit when reviewing Pale Iris a few months ago, but to me, New Era always feels so refreshing to listen to, and that's without them totally revamping the metalcore genre, but rather, it's like they're revamping themselves, and there always seems to be something new from every member of Era to show off on a new song. The initial build-up before the Wall of Sound commences is brilliant in, you know, like, setting the stage for the instrumentation, and then once both JT and Jesse take over thereafter, 
It's like Cure hits a new ethereal level that I don't believe Era have ever had any trouble reaching before. To me, I think Jesse carries these melodies in the chorus that are stretched out and cover as wide of a base of his range as imaginable. I had actually just spoken about Jesse's incredible talents on the last episode because of the new Ghost Atlas album, and Dude already put on another clinic, as did everybody else here in Era. To me, there's massive breakout potential looming for Era. Like, it just feels like they're on that cusp and they've been there for a while. And my hope is that Cure is what finally pushes them over that hurdle and makes them the conversation in Metalcore. The Broken View, I, I don't get to mention them enough on this show, but they have a new song out now called Closer. So I, I was kind of blown away a little bit, not by like a surprise factor, because I'm not surprised that this song rocks. I've spoken highly of The Broken View before on the show. I think they generally have something great going for themselves. But the surprise element came from the delivery of the video for Closer, because it is titled as a short film music video, and it's like this like really sick production piece that has a, a lot of great visuals thrown into it, like a lot of uh, cool scenery with snow and a bunch of shit like that. It, it was just really, really, really well done. And I again, I was taken aback by just how, um, I guess, like intricate the packaging for this single is. And then, like I said, the song is amazing in and of itself. I think it has like a little bit of a like a ballad feel for in a way for The Broken View. Not like it, it doesn't lean into the ballad nature heavily, but... It's slow enough and somber enough to really be connected to the track that way. Um, this is going to be part of the album Ordinary Love out March 1st. Um, if you guys have never listened to The Broken View before, I cannot recommend them enough. This band is amazing. Let's take a quick look at the brand new Wind Waker single. It is called Fractured State of Mind. No shade is meant with this because I obviously I love this band, but when I hear Fractured State of Mind, I feel like I am listening to what I would have imagined the Icy Stars comeback sounding like, and just the way that Wind Waker managed to infuse the metalcore tones that they are kind of, um, you know, very uh, skilled at, and they excel at by this point, with some electronic production that I feel is very, very complimentary to their overall core sound and style, and yes, this is what they've explored in the past before so many times, but I don't know if I've ever heard it be as, like, fleshed out and exposed in a great way as it is here on Fractured State of Mind. I think the band managed to come together very effectively and, like I said, just channel all of this metalcore and electronic core energy 
it's kind of a throwback in some ways, but it still has a lot of contemporary elements, not just to Wind Waker, but the overall scene. And I just feel like this was the kind of song that could, you know, really, really do a lot to help uh, propel Wind Waker and get everybody excited and ready for whatever's going to be happening with them this year, whether it's a new album cycle, more singles, tours, whatever it's going to be, I'm ready and willing to accept anything from Wind Waker. The final single for the week that I want to go into detail on is by Our Mirage, and it is Farewell. So I'm actually not sure if I've mentioned our Mirage on this show before, but there was no way that I could pass up that chance now off of Farewell. I went into this song pretty open-minded to the band because, again, I don't really remember like any bit of extensive history with their library. But Farewell just took like what I would consider to be the uh, like the normal details of metalcore and just managed to spin everything in this really cool way. And you have this course, I think is just so undeniably catchy and like the heart is there, the spirit is there, the rhythm is eccentric, especially in the breakdown. I thought the rhythm and the pacing was done well enough to where it doesn't sound like just, you know, a standard breakdown that you could get from any band. It feels very like tied to uh, the core and the identity of our Mirage and this single altogether. I thought it was a really good outing. And, you know, if any of you guys, I'm assuming it's, you know, a good bit of you have not heard of our Mirage before, uh, this would be a great point to start for them because I think this song is just incredible all the way through. These were the remaining singles from last week. They got either a four or a five in the reviews on social media. Event Horizon by A Shadow Within. Are You Afraid by Chaos Bay? G.O.D. by Dream on Dreamer, Refrain by Frail Body, Barely Breathing by From Ashes to New featuring Chrissy Costanza of Against the Current, Better Before by Hands Like Houses featuring Aaron Gillespie of Underoath, Alien by MNYS, Serotonin by Normandy, Scream 2 by Red Hook, For the Last Time by Royal Hearts, Bad Blood by Set Your Sails featuring Adrian Estrella, Workaround by Shoreline featuring Chris Cresswell, Shortest Fuse by Soft Cult, and Eternal by Sweet Pill. No song got below a four, so again, you love to see it, you love to see bands delivering on the quality and the consistency and all that sort of stuff, and I would say, for the most part, it's the same story this week for the records, we're gonna get into that now. For some reason, uh, the three records I'm talking about today just happen to all have death in the title, so, you know, a little ominous, a little unsettling, can't cap, but... We do what we do, and we move how we move. And the first one up is the brand new EP by Banks Arcade. It is called Death 2. So the CP follows up the 2022 album by Banks Arcade, which was called Future Lovers, and I remember thinking at the time that it was a very good record that I enjoyed in the moment, although I would be lying if I said that 
there proved to be a great deal of staying power with myself as time progressed. I thought it had enough innovative points to keep Banks Arcade in the conversation at least though. And so because of that, I was really interested to get into this EP to see how they would uh, build upon their established sound. And I think there ultimately is evolution there because Def 2 amplifies the intensity just enough to let it be distinguishable from future lovers. But there are still those innate elements of Banks Arcade spread throughout here. And, you know, like, for example, the uh, the electronic integration, that's still very prevalent. And it never feels forced at that. And in listening to this EP, it finally hit me the different acts outside of Banks Arcade who I feel like they remind me of in their sound, which would be Loathe and, and Shikari. And then I think Josh channels some grandson a bit in his cadence and just his overall tone especially in some of the more quiet moments on the record i feel like that is where you can really hear um that uh like um how do i phrase this that sort of like unique tone i guess is what you can hear in the muted moments like when josh has that showcase to himself i feel like he has a very uh unique and distinct sound to his um his tone um, I think tracks like Sentimental and More Want have a ton of rave energy that makes them feel very special. And More Want also has these like laser effects in the breakdown that remind me of the game Galaga. So it's a really fun time. And I think songs like those two really show off the grand production that went into Death 2. Is referencing Galaga showing my age in any way? I just thought about that now. Who cares? Uh, Roulette was the one song that I didn't feel like I could hail as being a high point of the EP. And that's not to say that it's bad or anything because it's definitely not. But it just felt like when I look at Roulette and how it's not just sandwiched between Sentimental and More Womp, but then afterwards you get Killing Games and Change. If I'm going to listen to any of these songs just at will, I feel like Roulette would be the one that I point to last. And again, it's a good song, but there's just something about the other tracks here that felt like they achieved a lot more of what Def 2 set out to do. And ultimately, I think what Def 2 set out to do was just continue the trend of Banks Arcade, you know, having these really cool, innovative ideas that are able to show as wide of an array as every member's capabilities as any band could possibly put on, on display for any of themselves. Um, Def 2, it feels like a success of an EP because it has me excited for whatever is going to come in the future from Banks Arcade. And again, the sound that they built off of Future Lovers and then Def 2, I want to see them continue to pursue that because there's definitely more meat on this bone and they have a lot of potential to move further into their careers. Enterprise Earth released a brand new album last week. It is called Death and Anthology. There had been a pretty big change to Enterprise Earth recently that I think made this album more intriguing to myself, which was the change in vocalist from Dan Watson over to Travis Warland. And by the way, I did small research to remember the accurate timeline for Dan's departure, and the Metal Sucks article that covered it had the headline... Enterprise Earth vocalist Dan Watson quits the band because of a premonition of his own death. Which is a cool and admittedly very metal headline. Um, 
if you look at the statement by Dan when he left, it is a bit deeper than that. But again, the headline is definitely eye-catching, as were the singles put out ahead of this album that I thought showed off what could be expected out of Travis very, very well. Um, those singles like Death Magic and The World Without Us were great. And then I think going into the actual rollout for Death and Anthology, King of Ruination and The Reaper Servant did a really cool job at setting the stage, especially King of Ruination, which I want to point out features uh, Ben Dur from Shadow of Intent. And I think at the time, I thought Casket of Rust was a cool single, and I still think it is. But having heard the full album now, I also think it could have been used as an indicator that some of the moments on the record would channel the spirit of like melodic death metal or maybe even even thrash metal more than metalcore. And that is a fine approach to keep this album fresh and make it feel distinct from their prior work. But when comparing that sound to the style of, say, Face of Fear or Accelerated Demise, there is a bit of a disconnect. Sonically, I think there are moments in the first half that do lose me somewhat, like the pacing of Spineless, which I felt was not matching up to the higher points of the album, nor did it really have the energy that I really got out of some of the other tracks here. I think sonically and instrumentally, I really cannot take anything away from the performances of everybody involved with Enterprise Earth because these guys are clearly talented as fuck, but for some of the composition and structure, I don't know if the work was as refined as it could have been. And I do not want to use this review as a knock against Travis with this being his first record as the frontman of Enterprise Earth. I just think that there are some consistency issues that I can't look away from, and that in turn leads me to wonder just how many times in the future I'll end up revisiting this album. But I'm still going to be rooting for Enterprise Earth, and you know I'm still in their corner because the record did still do enough to make sure that I stay there. And for the final record of the episode, one of the most heartfelt for myself and one that I had, you know, some pretty high hopes and expectations for, and I was not let down whatsoever. And if anything, I feel an even extended level of adulation talking about this album than I even thought I would have. And that is Death Can Wait by Being As An Ocean. So just a real quick story time about Being as an Ocean before I get into the details of this album, just because this is actually really important to me, and I'm not sure when else I'm going to get this chance. So if any of this bores you, then I do apologize. But basically, I majored in communications in college, and a large amount of the courses I needed for my degree, they relate to what I do now with Ulterior in some fashion. So uh, some of the courses were for things like video editing, audio storytelling, marketing, advertising, digital media, just a bunch of stuff like that, which I feel like did prove to be helpful to me later on. Um, and there was a newsroom on the campus where a lot of us in the program, we would just spend time there in between classes, you know, like either hanging out or getting work done or whatever we needed to do. And in September 2019, I vividly remember sitting down in said newsroom and I started to write out a review for an album because I 
Uh, I was already toying with the idea of going into podcasting even back then, and I would listen to SOTS pretty much daily at that point, and, you know, it, it was just so hard to not feel inspired by them because of, one, their passion, and two, the wittiness that they projected, and also because I was gaining knowledge from school that I really believe could be parlayed into the pursuit of a career in music media. But, you know, anyways, that album was Proxy and Animal Story by Being as an Ocean. And then on the ride home afterwards, I kept listening to a song on that album called Brave over and over and over again. And the visions of that day that I had where, you know, like I can remember the weather and certain bits of scenery that made like a time capsule where whenever I think about being as an ocean, I am put back into that spot of my life. From Dear God's release back in 2012 all the way through Proxy in 2019, being as an ocean have been there for me in a way that I don't know how many other bands I can say that similar thing about. And to finally have the chance to talk about a full-length record for them on this show... That really does mean something to me. That is so special. And, you know, I, I know I said quick story time and that ended up being really long and tangential and maybe pointless. So again, I do apologize, but now is where the actual review for Death Can Wait begins. So this is the band's fifth album, but subsequently the most different for them in terms of approach because this is the first instance of the band being just a duo between Joel and Michael. But in terms of execution and delivery... I don't think the lineup change here hindered much of what is the signature style of being as an ocean that is very much so rooted in the vocal trade-offs between Joel and Michael. You notice immediately from the opening stretch of songs like, you know, A Beautiful Agony with Joel's spoken word style that so effortlessly transitions to Michael's very swift delivery on the chorus. Swallowed by the Earth picks up the aggression a bit, and you get Joel's harsh vocals that juxtapose the spoken word nature that he's always done a great job at dual wielding, in my opinion. And what I said about Beautiful Agony, I'll extend to this song, and also uh, Purest Love, and other ones here like uh, Paradise in My Mind, and Snake. Michael's clean delivery is as much a key element of being as an ocean's consistency as anything else that this band has ever brought. He has always been stellar, whether it's in Being as an Ocean or his solo project, Heart of Gold. And to be able to get another collection of songs with him and these showcases, it, it feels very special and not something that I want to take for granted, given the waiting period between Proxy and this record that, you know, I'm sure it brought some uncertainty to the band and the fans. Something else I believe the record achieved, at least for myself, was, you know, accentuating just how much I underrated the singles rollout, because when I hear songs now like Flesh and Bone and the title track Death Can Wait, I understand now that I might not have done enough to really speak on this show about just how good those songs are, and that is 100% my fault, you know, especially Flesh and Bone, which I think has a real case to being not only the best song on the album, but it also could very well be a high echelon track in the overall discography of Being as an Ocean. Like, it, it just does something so effectively in channeling a nostalgic spirit of metalcore and post-hardcore that when it's done right, it brings me so much joy. And the beauty of Flesh and Bone is not lost on me in any of my listens of this record. Production is also vital to the album's success, and I feel like you hear that most with the little things like those faint synthesized notes in the chorus of Gloom, for instance. 
I mentioned Snake briefly earlier when talking about Michael's vocals, and I really, really don't want to undersell that song because it is a genuine highlight of the album to me, and I think it does an outstanding job at, you know, kind of mixing an age style of being his notion off of something like, you know, um, How We Both Want and She Perish with the sort of streamlining that we see more often than not from the genre nowadays. I think going into this record, I really may have been thrown off slightly in excitement because I really actually enjoyed the experimentation that we heard on Proxy, and I would not have minded being a Zosian continuing to pursue that sound any further. Like, to me, when I look back on 2019 and the landscape of the scene at that time, I look at Proxy like the little brother to Amo and Beautiful Oblivion when it comes to uh, experimental albums from bands who normally had heavier tendencies. But in listening to Death Can Wait, there is absolutely nothing for me to be, you know, disappointed with or believe that there was a different sound that Joel and Michael could have or should have chased. To me, this is as good as I've ever heard being his notion. It is completely refined in all areas from the spoken word stuff to the vocal trade-offs to just the overall performance of the band. And as somebody who has championed being his notion for well over a decade now, Death Can Weigh ultimately being as good as it is, it brings me a great level of joy and it's also somehow made me an even bigger fan of the band now than I was before and in every day moving forward. And that's it. That was every album and EP and single from last week for me to review. Um, if you guys want to follow along with everything on social media, the the new videos, the reviews as they go up and everything, uh, you can follow Ulterior on all socials like Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube Reels. I'm on threads still if anybody fucks that. Uh, did I say TikTok? But make sure you follow TikTok because that's where... Uh, so I'm trying to get big, you know, that's where I'm trying to, trying to move some shit, trying to push some agendas, you know how it be. Uh, so it is at Ulterior, A-L-T-R-I-I-O-R on all socials. If any of you guys care to follow my personals, it is uh, at Artisan Carlos. There's two I's in Artisan because I'm special and whatnot. Um, I'm not special, I'm a little piece of shit. Uh, that is on uh, Instagram and Twitter, so go see what I post in all of my uh, degeneracy, I guess. Thank you for listening. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene.